0: Church, y'all doing all right? Awesome, it is, it really is so good to see you. Um, as Pat said, this morning when we arrived, uh, it was kind of stressful. You know, when it's in the middle of August and your AC's not working and then we're trying to figure that out and then the all the power and the entire block went out. So I'm like, all right, you know, uh, this is going to be great, <laughs> you know, because um, I always say fat boys love Freon and and I love some AC. So, um, man, I'm glad uh, our awesome maintenance team was like Johnny on the spot came and it was a belt that ripped, that tore out some electrical, amazing, and so he fixed that and like halfway through the first service. The AC was back on, so 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 thankful for that. Before we dig into God's Word uh, this morning, a couple of just other announcements. One, if you are a man, um, our men's uh, Carolina Men's Conference is this upcoming weekend, Friday and Saturday. It's not too late. You can go online, sign up for that. There's a steak dinner. There's all kind of giveaways, um, grills, and I think they're giving away a golf cart and all kind of stuff. So it is crazy, uh, but make sure you sign up for that. Go online, register. It's at our downtown campus. Uh, this Friday and Saturday, and you will be challenged in your faith. This is our second year doing it. And I know last year I walked away challenged to be a better dad, a better husband, just a better man in general. And it's always good. And it's really, really cool to see that many men. I mean, I'm saying like hundreds of men Worshipping together and, and reading God's word together. So make sure you sign up for that. Um, this morning um, we are doing kind of a standalone message. We're looking at Hebrews um, chapter ten. But starting next Sunday we will embark on a four-week uh, marriage series called "Till Death Death Do Us Part." And so um, really looking forward to that. I know when I say marriage series, you probably feel if you're married the same thing I do oftentimes, where your spouse is elbowing you and it's like I can't wait. Because he's going to tell you everything you're doing wrong um, in your marriage. And I know marriage series can be uncomfortable. They can be challenging. uh, But let me challenge you to come to that. One, I think we can all be better um, in our marriage. But two, let me say this too. You might be like, well, I'm not married. It will still apply to you. Because we're going to talk about healthy relationships and whether you're not, even if you aren't married, if you're a student, a young professional, um, you can learn some things to take into whenever God provides you um, with a spouse. And so this is going to be a great, great time. So make sure you sign up for that. But um, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. And Hebrews is an interesting book because um, oftentimes people don't study it because it can be intimidating. There's a lot of great stuff in it. Um, Some would argue that it's pretty theologically deep, and so it's kind of for the advanced, um, um, who are advanced spiritually. Um, Others would argue that it's just kind of scary. There's some warnings of some different things. But what I love about the book of Hebrews is that the writer really has this theme throughout uh, as he's writing This theme kind of twofold of examination and evaluation. And I know those are like two big words, whatever, but it really challenges us as believers as we read. And I think every believer should do this is that it it tells us to hit timeout, hit the pause button and to examine and evaluate our relationship with Jesus. And I think, I really do think this, that every single one of us should on a regular basis be evaluating and examining our walk with God. You and I should never get to a place where we're like, you know what? I've arrived. I'm good. I'm good. This is, what I, this is the best it's going to get, <laughs> you know, type mentality. Until we die, you and I should be pursuing God in such a way that you and I have some work to do. And there's always room for improvement and different ways for us to grow closer um, to Jesus. And so the writer of Hebrews kind of throws this out. And it's kind of funny how, at least for me, God has a a funny sense of humor um, to get my attention. So on Friday, um, I have Fridays off, and my mother-in-law needed her car to get an oil change and stuff. So I go to her house, go get her car, I go to crank it, and it doesn't start. And I'm like, okay, it's probably the battery. So I pull up my truck, I get, I have like these, like, they're ghetto, okay? I'm just going to be honest, like this cheap pair of jumper cables that, you, you know, they're probably better used as a rope than jumper cables because they're just messed up. And so I'm, like, I'm a jump starter car. So I put the, you know, I've done this hundreds of times. I put the jumper cables on my truck, then I put it on her car. I get in, I go to crank it, and it doesn't crank. So my initial reaction was like, oh, I hope it's not more than the battery, but I'm going to try this again. If you've ever been in this situation, you know, just go out there and kind of wiggle the, the cables around, right? And maybe they just don't have a good grip. So I go, and I go to touch the cables. I go to grab it to kind of move it around, and, and kind of half the handle is messed up. Well, when I did, I burned myself, all right? So I, like, touched metal, and I was like, ah, you know? And I'm like, okay. And then I see a little bit of smoke coming from the uh, jumper cables. And then that is when I realized, dumb me, as many times as I have done this, while it was correct on my truck, on her car, I put the black on the positive and the positive on the black. That's not how it's supposed to be done, okay? If you ever jumpstart a car, you know, you just got to color coordinate, all right? And I didn't do that, and so it was, like, hot. So I just, like, I just had to man up, and I just, like, went, and I was like, and I grabbed them both and, you know, got it off of there. And then like the whole cable was hot and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, I'm an idiot. All right. Um, So I burned myself, got a pretty gnarly blister on my finger, but Here's what I learned through that. As I'm driving, I'm thinking to myself, I am such an idiot, right? Have you ever had those moments? Like I've done this so many times. What was I thinking? I know red goes to red and black goes to black. But then God this reminded me as we're looking at this this morning that oftentimes when it comes to our relationship with God, we know what to do, but oftentimes we just mess it up. And whether that is this laziness, whether it's stupidity, whether it's just kind of going through the motions. And what I love about Hebrews is that the writer says, Hit the pause button and let us look at our lives and evaluate, are you and are we together really doing what we're supposed to do to have a great relationship with Christ? So let me kind of pose this question before we dig in. I know it's cliche and it's churchy, but we're in church, so I'm gonna say it, all right? But do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Is it personal to you? Not just go to church, Is it a do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? If you're to honestly evaluate beyond just, yeah, I believe and I go to church and I have a Bible, all those things, I know the stories of Jonah and the whale and I know David and Goliath. I know, no, no, I'm not asking about that. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Jesus. And what we're going to see in a really cool way is that the writer of Hebrews lays out, not in a legalistic checklist type of way, but some key principles for you and I to draw closer to Jesus. And I hope and pray that here we are at this time of the year where it's like we get some routine, summer's done, we're starting back to school, getting, getting into this routine, that you and I could look at this year And say, you know what? This is going to be a stake in the ground moment. And more than any other year, I want to be close to Jesus. And that a year from now that you can look back and say, you know what? I really grew in my relationship with Jesus. So let's dig into God's word this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, we're going to start in verse 19. Now let me kind of set this up just a little bit as you're turning there. Um, Hebrews 10 starting 19. That the context is the writer is writing to a Jewish audience. And this is a Jewish audience that, for hundreds and thousands of years, have been following the Old Covenant. Well, well, if you know anything about the history of Judaism, the Old Covenant is a lot of rules and rituals. That God was really, in some regards, kind of a distant God, and so they had to have burnt... You know, offerings and sacrifices, and they couldn't, you know, go to the temple or to, um, to the tabernacle. The, you, only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies, all these different things and regulations. Well, when Jesus comes, he comes to fulfill the law so that it's no longer about traditions and rituals, but now it's about a relationship. And so the Hebrew writer is, t- is talking to the Jewish audience, and throughout this, we see this theme where he's like, Jesus is better. And so like in chapter 8, talks about how Jesus is a, a better covenant. That the old covenant is gone. You no longer have to practice all these, all these rituals and routines and just do it um, just for the sake of doing it. But now you can, you can follow after Jesus because of what he's done. He was the ultimate sacrifice and offering. Then in chapter 9, you see that there's a better sanctuary. So now it's like, hey, we can all go to church. We don't have to go through a priest we can go straight to Jesus because he is the ultimate high priest. And so uh, chapter 10 is a better um, explanation of us coming close to Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice. So let's read this together. You can follow along on the screens. Verse um, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have uh, confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. So once again, just an umbrella statement. The reason we're able to come to God And have a relationship with him is through the blood of Jesus. It's clear clear as day. right? So he says that. And by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. So remember when Jesus came, when the price was paid, after he said it was finished, the veil was torn that separated us between um, us and God because of the blood of Jesus. um, um, Through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Now, here's the practicality that we're gonna spend some time on this morning. Verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean with an e- um, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day being the return of Jesus. All right, so let's break this down. Let's just talk and have a a good kind of come to Jesus uh, conversation this morning. For us to draw close to God, the first thing that we see clear as day that the writer says, and he's talking to the audience. is if you want to become close to God, you need to draw near. So if you're taking notes, that's the first point this morning. Now, I'm gonna do something a little bit differently, but I, I wanna add kind of a clarifying question of evaluation when we talk about drawing near and for all these points for you to write down if you're a note taker. So next to that, I want you to say, would you say you are close to Christ? So draw near, would you say you are close, close to Christ? Would you say, I mean, where is your relationship? Now we talked about having a personal relationship. Would, would you say you're close? You know, like in earthly relationships, we know, like, hey, I have a best friend, we're super close. Would you say that about Jesus? Or would you say, you know, not, right, not really. Pretty far away, kind of in a valley right now, kind of in a lull, pretty lazy in my faith, however you want to put it. Just be honest. Are you close? With Christ and what I love is that the Hebrew writer is showing that because of Jesus, we are invited into closeness and intimacy with God. It's no longer this distant God who's over here that we have to do all these sacrifices, we have to go through a priest, we have to do these rituals. You go straight to Him because of the blood of Jesus. The veil of the curtain was torn, and so with that invitation. Have you accepted it and walked into, hey, now I can have a relationship with Jesus? Have you drawn near to him? Now, I love how James puts this, the brother of Jesus, he wrote this. He said, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to what? To you. Now, we probably have seen that. We probably haven't seen the second part. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Isn't that an encouraging word this morning, right? But think about this. Here's the equation. To draw near to God, you first, right, you have a responsibility. And for him to draw near to you, you have to draw near to him. It's a two-way street. Oftentimes, we say, I want to be close to God, but I want him to do all the work. When I show up and I pray these things, you better answer them or I'm not gonna believe in you. I'm not gonna trust you. You need to do this. These are my demands, my requests. You need to be right here and do this the way I want you to. And so what it is, it becomes a relationship where God is there. We're not really drawing near to him. It's just a take, take, take. Now I'm gonna tell you, sometimes I feel like my kids, all they do is take, take, take. And it drives me nuts. And if you're a parent, it's frustrating but there's no healthy relationship, whether it's marriage, friendship, where if one side, all they do is take, 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 it's not healthy, right? And so for us to draw near in our closeness to Jesus, for he is here, God is here. Are we doing our part and our responsibility in drawing near to him so that he can draw near to us? Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. It'll be on the screens as well. But drawing close to God comes from our dependence on God and our desperation for God. Now, here's what I mean by this. You want to draw close to God first. You have to trust him. You have to have dependence on him. You have to recognize and acknowledge, hey, I trust him with everything. In every good relationship that you're growing and drawing close and have intimacy, you trust that person. My wife Sloane is my best friend. She has my back. Now, that doesn't mean that we agree upon everything. She's always wrong, and I'm always right. But, no, just kidding. That's not true. All right, I just lied in church. Father, forgive me. All right. But here's the deal. It's like she has my back, and I have hers. I trust her, and we are close because I know that she trusts me, and I trust her. And so for us to draw close to God, we have to trust him. We have to be dependent on him to say, you have what it takes and, and I don't. The second thing is desperation. We have to desire God. It's kind of hard to grow close to God when you're like, nah, I don't really desire him. I don't want to be close. I just kind of go to church because that's what you're supposed to do. I think it's good for my kids. I like the kids' programming. You know, it's got to be a great desire to say, I want to draw close to God. And those two things, dependence and trust and desperation with this desire to say, hey, I I need him. I'm nobody without him, draws us closer to him. It's this this two-way street. And I love how the writer of Hebrews really kind of shines some light on how do we do that? Because the last thing I want is for you to leave here and be like, yeah, draw close to God. How? (laughs) right? How do we do that? He says this. The first thing the writer says is, let us draw near with a true heart. Now, your translation might say genuine heart or pure heart. But if if we're going to draw close to God, if we're going to come to him, the first thing that you and I need is a genuine heart. We need a heart that comes to him in full transparency and authenticity, not in shame and guilt, not trying to hide things, but we really are saying, hey, God, I need you. I want you. I want to draw close to you. Now, I know sometimes it's like, oh, you know, I got to do this again. I know I'm supposed to read my Bible and spend this time with God in prayer, but I just don't want to. I'm super tired. It's been a long day. I'm stressful. I'm mad, whatever the case may be. But for us to come to God, And to say, you know what, God? i got a lot of stuff going on right now, but I just want to sit before you and for your heart to actually mean it, to be authentic. It's kind of hard to draw close to God when you show up resentful, bitter, angry. You're just doing it out of habit. Let's get this over. I got to read this because it's what you're supposed to do. Man, it's really hard to draw close to God when you're arrogant in that way. And so for us to be genuine, to be authentic, to say, you know what? I don't have what it takes, but I'm coming before you, God. I desire this, and I want you. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. The second thing that we see, kind of some weird language, but he says this really resonates um, with the Jews because of their uh, washing practices and and different things that they did before worship. But he says, uh, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed With pure water. Now this is symbolic in the sense of for us to approach God with kind of what James was saying, clean hands and and really a pure heart, not to be double-minded. But for us to come, here's the second thing, with a repentant conscience. Here's what I mean. For us to approach God, to say, you know what, I don't have what it takes. I'm a nobody, but I'm coming to you because I have sin in my life. And I want to be more like you. And that takes great humility, doesn't it? Because oftentimes we wanna approach God like we're big, bad, and awesome, and he should be super proud of us. But unfortunately, you and I are nobodies. We don't have what it takes. We don't have, we're not righteous people. And so for us to come before God who is righteous, who is holy, who is the high priest, who is the ultimate sacrifice, to come to him and say, we don't have what it takes and I wanna repent of this sin for us to come before him, draws us closer. And here's the third thing. It's not directly in this passage, but you'll see these nuggets all throughout, really scripture, but it's specifically in Hebrews. So come to God with a genuine heart, repentant conscience. Come to him with intentional habits. I think oftentimes we wanna draw close to God, but it's like, I know I haven't talked to you in six weeks, but this, we should rekindle the fire, you know? <laughs> and then it's like six weeks pass. I'm coming back to God. Why aren't we close, God? I know I haven't talked to you in six weeks, Man, it's intentional habits. And I would say kind of the trifecta of growth is prayer, devotion, and worship. Man, it's kind of hard not to grow when you're praying to God and talking to him on a consistent basis. It's kind of hard not to grow when you're spending time in God's word, you have a devotion time. And it's hard to grow um, in your relationship with Jesus when you're worshiping. When you're just praising God. And so those three things are essential to our growth and for us is to draw near to him. Here's the second thing. He says, not only can we, do we need to draw near, but we need to hold fast. In verse 23, the writer says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So hold fast. Here's the kind of the clarifying evaluation question. Are you firm in your faith? Do you know why you believe what you believe? And are you firm on that confession of your faith? And, and really kind of what this, how this translates, and we, we actually see it here when he says, hold fast to the confession of our faith. He says, hope without wavering. As believers, we have the greatest hope in the world in Jesus and as, as believers, that that's where our faith should come from, in this greater hope that will never let us down, so that way we are confident and we are assured and we can stand firm knowing Jesus will never let me down. But oftentimes, myself included, we place our hope in other things, don't we? We, we put our, our place our hope in our success, at our jobs, in our finances, in our academics. We, we find you know, we place it in our identity, how, how good we did on that test, how athletic we are at our, at our, um, in our sport, how good our kids turn out. And the reality is, all of those things will let you down at some point. Your kids will let you down. Your job will let you down. At some point, you will come, you'll come to a place where you don't have enough money. You know, whatever the case may be, those things will let you down. What will not let you down is Jesus and so for us to place our hope, the writer's like, hey, hold fast. And you have to think the Jews at this time were faced with this tension. They're like, hey, why are you practicing the new covenant and talking about this relationship and your hope? You need to be doing the law. You need to be doing the practices, doing the rituals, doing everything that's, that's part of the Jewish culture. So they're faced with the, this, this um, I don't know, this tension to walk away. But yet they stood firm. And what I love is if their faith, if the early church's faith, especially the disciples, if their faith was just cultural, this cultural Christianity that wasn't really rooted in this great hope, as soon as it's pressured, as soon as it's persecuted, it would have crumbled right in front of them. They would have said, it's not worth dying for. You know? And I think, I think probably the biggest lie of, of the devil and the biggest thing that you and I are tempted with every single day and as a parent our kids especially that they can find satisfaction and you and i can find satisfaction in a lot of other things other than jesus that is a lie and what we see is that our hope should be in jesus and really throughout the book of hebrews it is it is all about jesus is better jesus is better than the prophets he's better than the tabernacle he's better than the rituals and the offerings jesus is better We should put that on a shirt. I'm just saying, okay? Jesus is better in that. And it's because he provides this incredible hope. I love what Paul says in Romans 15. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And so as you and I grow in our relationship with Jesus, as we are deepening our roots, as we're drawing close and we're drawing near and we're growing and maturing, what comes out of our life is the hope and where we place our hope. For other people to see, to be like, wow, they're going through a hard time. How can they be so hopeful? Jesus. That's where the full circle comes in. And here's the reality, is that once you experience and trust the hope that Jesus provides, what this world has to offer loses its appeal. Once you taste and you see the glory of God and the hope that Jesus provides, the, the stuff this world has to offer, it's not attractive. I could care less about all these relationships that will make you happy. I, I could care less about all these things that you can see and watch on the Internet that will fill that void. I could care less about drinking or drugs and say, hey, this will fill this need. I care less about those things. I care less about the things of the world because you know what? They let you down. They mess you up. They get you off track. They separate you from God. And what makes you happy and satisfies is Jesus. You wanna be a better, better dad? Jesus. Husband? Jesus. Better coworker? Jesus. Better man or woman? Jesus. Draw near to him. Put your hope in him. And here's the third thing that we see from this is not only do we draw near and hold fast, but we need to stir up. He says in the the conclusion of this in verse 24, he says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And So until Jesus returns, you and I should be stirring each other up, not neglecting to meet together. There's importance about being plugged in to a local body of believers, to attending church on Sundays, to being in small group and being in community. It clearly says, do not neglect that time as is the habit of some. Now, this is just a culture we live in, and I hate it, but if you were to take a um, snapshot and do some, um, a study of uh, our church attendance at First Baptist Simpsonville Upstate Church across all campuses, the average church uh, attendance is once a month. How can anybody be okay with that? I love what one, one member said on Facebook. She was sharing our thing and said, um, there are 168 hours in one week. One hour isn't so bad. And here's reality, you know this, and I know I'm stepping on some toes and that's okay. But we spend more time at the CESA soccer fields and traveling to the different sports. We spend more more than an hour in car line, (laughs) all right? We spend more time on TikTok and Facebook scrolling through stories than we do the importance of church. It should be a part of a spiritual discipline for us to not neglect meeting together. This should be a priority. And being in a group should be a priority as well because what we need to ask, here's kind of the evaluation question, is was we're talking about being stirred up or stirring up others. Are you in community? And are you encouraging others? And are they encouraging you? The easy thing is to come in here, hear a good little message and worship and walk out. But as believers, we are not called to be consumers. We are called to be contributors. And and I'll just tell you, just as a dad of three teenage boys, drawing close to God for them, they draw closer to God in the way that they serve in our kids' ministry than probably hearing Pastor Dad preach a message. But I'm gonna tell you, They might not remember everything that I I say as dad or as the pastor, but I'm gonna tell you, it brings incredible joy to my heart to see how they love on on elementary and preschool kids. How they're telling them about Jesus. They're growing in their faith by doing that. And so I wanna challenge you with this. I'm gonna end just a few minutes early because I wanna give you time after our worship song to do this. But I wanna challenge you as you leave today in the parking lot you probably saw that as you came in there's some high top tables for small group options you need to be in a small group and be like dang Dustin I'm busy join the club we're all busy make time now I'll tell you it's scary it's messy when you have imperfect people talking about imperfect things trying to be like Jesus it's gonna be messy no one's perfect but it encourages us and we can encourage one another. We can pray for each other. So be in a small group, check out the options, sign sign up uh, on there. Um, You're not committing, but you're getting more information. Find a time that works with your schedule. Also, if you're not serving, man, we, we need more people to serve. Step up and serve in some capacity. You know, the last three or so weeks, we've been averaging 450 in attendance. Praise God. But with that, as we're reaching people, man, we need people to watch kids and, or to, and hang out with them and invest in them to pour into our students, to be in the parking lot, to be on our tech team, whatever the case may be. There's plenty of opportunities. If 35 people came right now and said, I wanna serve in elementary and be like, wow, that's a lot of people, praise God. <laughs> Let's do it. Let us serve, all right? Let me pray for us. Father, we're so thankful for who you are and that the veil was torn so that we can come into a relationship with you. We could draw near. Because sin separates. And so thankful that the blood of Jesus came and was poured out by his flesh for us to draw close to you. And so, God, as we do that, let us hold fast in our faith and the greatest hope of the world, but also let us stir each other up. Let us not just consume, but contribute. Let us not be lazy in our faith, but let us grow and want this incredible desire and desperation to know you more. So as we worship, hear hear our hearts, hear our prayers to draw close to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond to Jesus this morning.